I'm way too serious. Everybody who's prayed for me has prayed that I have fun. <laughs> so I think that first clip, that was my van that they used in there. And then the whole Proverbs 31, if I were really a Proverbs 31 woman, would that mean I would have maid servants? I would really love some servants. That would help. Oh, good morning. Happy Mother's Day. How do you get a pregnant woman with three kids to church on time? You ask her to give the sermon. How do you get John Batterman to sit in the front row of the church? You ask his wife to give the sermon. I have always appreciated Kurt's sermon, but preparing for this day has given me an even deeper respect for his anointing to preach and all that he prepares every week for us. So we are a blessed family here with him. Um, and thank you to the many people who have been praying for me to get to this day. So I've asked my dad, Bill Ostheimer, to pray for the sermon this morning and for another church. Go, Dad. Thank you, Lord, for this beautiful day. Father, we also thank you for this day that commemorates mothers. But, but beyond that, as Kurt's email said, we also want to uh, honor the women who have a mother's heart. There are so many women in this church who have deeply touched others with that mother's heart. And Father, I ask you to be with Lori, to give her strength and wisdom to, to, to give what you prepared today so that, that will come out to everyone. And Father, I just lift up all those military services that are going on throughout, going on right now throughout the world. There are many young men and women away from their families, away from their mothers, but also, more importantly, there are young women away that are mothers are away from their family. And Father, I just ask you to be with them and honor them today. So when I graduated from Seattle Pacific University, I bought a one-way ticket to Hong Kong. If any of you uh, young people want to freak out your parents, buy a one-way ticket to the other side of the world. <laughs> I lived there for three years working in international business and missions, and thankfully for my parents, God lured me back to the States with a man. <laughs> John and I have been married well, we actually met here at this church when it was at the other campus over by Interlake High School, and we have been married for 15 years, and we have four kids. Brianna is nine, Ashley is five, Ian is four, and this baby boy is due in August. And we are so grateful to be a part of this body here at Lake Sam and to be raising our kids with this extended family. You are very important to all of us. So I am 42, a bit old to be having a baby, but the Bible says that Sarah and Elizabeth were both well along in years when they had Isaac and John the Baptist, so I count myself in good company. At this point of my life, I find myself straddling several generations. Women who have kids the same age as my kids are 10 to 20 years younger than I am. Women that are my age have kids that are in college or getting married, and some of these women are becoming grandmas. My grandparents have all passed, and um, it's a little shocking to admit, but my parents' generation is aging and becoming the elders of our culture. So I thought this would be a good spot for me to honor my mom. So come on up, Mom. I have a little Mother's Day gift for you. I found this treasure at the Warm Beach Senior Community Thrift Store. <laughs> I paid a whopping 25 cents for it, but I couldn't pass it up. It's a book titled, I Like Being Old. A guide to making the most of aging. 
One, one year, I gave her an avocado cookbook that I found at a garage sale. The thought of avocados makes her gag. So, another baby, will that help with the sarcasm cover a little bit? Oh, thank you. Actually, the sarcasm runs in the family because my kids gave me their colds for an early Mother's Day present this week. And my mom has been amazing running to the store, taking care of my kids a ton so that I could rest and get well. So she is an amazing woman, and I do honor you today, Mom. While I was in college, one of my floor mates in the dorms cut out pictures from a magazine and made a collage of how she imagined our lives might turn out. That's what she gave me. It provokes the image of the comfortable suburb life, 2.5 kids and a dog. My life has not exactly turned out to be picture perfect, and in many ways is far different than I imagined it might be. While we have much to be thankful for, John and I have also lost two babies by miscarriage. We've had years of financial struggle, and we've had marital struggle from some unexpected sources. So through paths mixed with joy and pain, God is actually making my life richer and doing far more than I would have ever asked or imagined according to his power that is at work within me. In January, my husband participated in a Q&A panel for a sermon on tithing, and as John shared um, his story, he quipped about how he's drugged me along through all the tough stuff that he's learned and said, Kurt, maybe you should have a panel of our wives on Mother's Day and hear their side of the story. So not knowing exactly where that would lead, I thought, okay, I should probably say yes to this impromptu volunteering of myself by my husband. <laughs> so I started praying and wondering what God might want me to say. And over the past three, four months, my ponderings have gone in a million directions as I've thought about my own journey, listened to women around me, poured over blogs by women, and I even sent out my own informal survey trying to hear what is on the heart of women. And then God began moving it from a Q&A panel to just me. Me? Preach a sermon? Wait a minute. There's a certain safety in a Q&A led by Kurt. But really, God, you want me to do this all by myself? Okay. I will submit to the process. You're growing a baby in me and stretching my body? Why not grow a sermon and stretch my heart at the same time? Hours of writing while my kids were napping or when I was up in the middle of the night, a lot up in the middle of the night, trying to sort through my many thoughts and discern which were really God's thoughts. There's probably a permanent indentation in our couch where the laptop, my pregnant wide load body, and the couch have melded over these long writing sessions. So two weeks ago, Sunday night, I finally got to what I felt was a coherent flow, but I knew it was too long and needed some work, so I emailed it to Justine Morris for her experienced sermon-giving feedback. Just after I had hit the thin button, John got a call that Opal Rogers was in the hospital. I had just been thinking about Opal as I was working on the sermon, helping out in the Lake Sam preschool class, I have fallen in love with Zach and Opal's twin girls, Bailey and Rihanna. 
And there's something about their sweet and spunky spirits that made me want to get to know Opal more. So for three days, my heart was breaking with the Rogers family, begging God to breathe life back into my sister that I didn't know well enough and restore her to her family and breaking for these precious little girls that I love. Then came Justine's honest and loving feedback that I had, in fact, written too much. And her question, what message do you feel most passionate about? At that point, I felt very undone. I just uh, sat alone and wept for a while, overcome by fatigue and pregnancy hormones, grief, and an uncertainty about what God would have me to say. My birth father, Rodney, died when I was one. My mom remarried when I was two, and Bill adopted me and has raised me as his own, and I've always called him dad, and we love each other very deeply, and God graciously filled my life with another father. And yet when I was in college, there was a part of me that really wondered about Rodney. I have no memories of the man that I look like. whose image I reflect, and aspects of whose character I share. And I did work through a lot in college, but parts of that pain never completely go away. And it was rekindled most recently by Opal's passing. So when these fresh tears stirred that longing in me to know the man that I look like, I suddenly realized what God wanted me to say. He wants me to share his daddy's heart for each of his little girls. God made each of his girls to look like him, to reflect his image and his character. But he's an infinite daddy, so none of us girls on our own are complete and can be a complete reflection of him. So each of us gets a unique combination of his image and character, handpicked with his loving purposes in mind. His design for each of us is good. Like a field full of flowers, our daddy delights in this array of his glory and splendor uniquely displayed in each of his girls. Sorry, my kid's cold, so forgive me. Some of us flowers have bright, bold colors and patterns. Others are elegant in understated colors. Some of us have complex petal structures, and others are simple. We bloom in different seasons at different times of the day or night. Some of us go years between blooms, and some of us may only bloom once in our lifetime. But God plants each of his girls into distinctive families and situations that he allows to further shape and refine his character and his image in us. Some of us thrive in dry desert conditions. Several on lonely, rocky peaks. Many of us in grassy meadows surrounded by clusters of other flowers. Some in wet, dense jungles. And a few of us even in frigid Arctic conditions. No matter what we look like, what fragrance we give, how often we bloom, each flower brings beauty, purpose, and life 
to our environment. I think that flowers show us five aspects of God's character that he designed women to reflect in distinctive ways. The first one is nurturing. Sorry. Isaiah 40, verse 11. Thank you, Caleb. You're awesome, Caleb. God will feed his flock like a shepherd. He will carry the lambs in his arms, holding them close to his heart. He will gently lead the mother sheep with their young. Flowers feed birds and insects with their pollen and their nectar, and a lot of flowers turn into fruit to feed both people and animals. Women, physically, emotionally, and spiritually, feed and nurture those we're called to influence to help them grow and reach their potential. Leslie Vincent is known for her amazing culinary and hospitality skills that feed both the body and the soul. She also teaches in public schools, and she's nurturing the next generation. Jen Lebonsky, she's nurturing a blended family of both biological and adopted kids, and she's equipping families with autistic kids to nurture their kids to their fullest potential. And Justine Morris, she's made the leap from nurturing other people's teens to nurturing her own small kids. The second aspect is healing. Psalm 30, verse 2. O Lord my God, I called to you for help and you healed me. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. Many plants and flowers have medicinal purposes. And women also bring healing in a variety of methods from bandaging a child's boo-boo to walking alongside a sister that's in pain. And we bring comfort, compassion, caring, presence, gentleness, and kindness. Mary Shelton is a neonatal nurse who cares for at-risk newborns and ministers to their parents. Marianne Boyce is also a nurse, and her scripture-filled encouraging cards full of prayer, often bring healing and sustenance to many women in this body, including myself. My mom, Sharon Ostheimer, after she lost her first husband, a marine pilot, she married a Navy pilot. She got bored dating the lawyers and doctors. So during the Vietnam War, war era and beyond, she has comforted scores of military widows and others who have lost their loved ones um, with a comfort that she has received from God and she has walked alongside these people through the long healing process. The third area is helping and advocating. Psalm 121, verses 1 and 2, says, I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Flowers get to share pollen with each other to help produce fruit. And women share wisdom and support to help each other produce fruit. We advocate for each other and for those that God has called us to influence. Our families, the weak, the orphans, those without a voice. Reflecting God's image of protector, defender, and deliverer. 
Christine Grigg, she's a behind-the-scenes kind of a servant who has faithfully served in women's ministry, in children's ministry, volunteering in the church office. She's actually gone this weekend supporting family, friends, and their kids as they um, perform in plays. So she's an amazing helper. Rebecca Lee, she's my sassy Singaporean friend. She advocates for her coworkers at Microsoft, for her neighbors. She's a surrogate auntie for many kids, and she also advocates through her involvement in international missions. And Karina Riley, <clears throat> Karina and I used to work together at the phone company, and I am grateful that we've gone from coworkers to sisters here at Lake Sam. And through Bible study, I've seen her heart for loving God and her care for other people blossom. Um, when I found out that I was pregnant this time, she started praying and seeking God on behalf of our family. And God showed her early in the pregnancy that this was going to be a boy. So when the ultrasound confirmed it, she said, I knew it. God told me. I appreciated that she would go after God for us. The fourth area is connecting. John 17, verses 21 to 23. My prayer for all of them is that they will be one, just as you and I are one, Father, that just as you are in me and I am in you, so they will be in us, all being perfected into one. Flowers rarely live in isolation. They're usually in a community of various kinds of flowers. And pollination creates an interconnectedness between flowers and kneading of one another. In women, the estrogen hormone creates that physical connection in our brain that then hardwires us to connect our thoughts, our emotions, and our actions, making us natural multitaskers and um, having a, an inborn connectedness and relationship orientation. So we're intelligent and competent at managing many tasks and jobs, but there's usually an underlying co relational component to our motivation and our satisfaction in those tasks. Chris Maddox is the benevolence pastor here. She is a master at connecting people with need with people who can help meet those needs. Barb Bloomstrand. She's an event coordinator, a very capable multitasker that makes events succeed but also ministers to people in the midst of the task. Michelle Huskamp. She's connecting teens and adults through public school, Jubilee Reach, and Lake Sam Youth Ministries. The last area is reproducing or bringing forth life. Isaiah 42.5. God the Lord created the heavens and stretched them out. He created the earth and everything in it. He gives breath and life to everyone in all the world. Flowers produce seeds to make new plants. Women bring forth and pass on life to one another and to the next generation, planting seeds of truth and eternal value, older influencing younger and the younger also influencing the older. Kathy Miller is a motorcycle riding grandma with a contagious joy. Her husband actually whisked her away on a surprise motorcycle trip this weekend, so she's not here. But she has a deep passion 
for her kids, her grandkids, for the women here at Lake Sam, and for sharing God's love with the unique biking community. Tamara Lee is a homeschooling mother of six, or sorry, four. I'm getting ahead of myself, four. Maybe it's prophetic. <laughs> Hopefully not. But she has a deep passion. For years, she's invested in our Lake Sam kids in ministry here, and she has a deep passion for teaching and introducing the next generation to Jesus through very creative and lasting ways. And her daughter, Kezia, Kezia's grown up in this church, and we've had the joy of watching her blossom from a girl to a young woman with a zeal for missions and a heart to speak God's truth to her generation with a heart of love and the skill of a debater. So God delights in taking these individual, unique women, these aspects of his character, and bringing them together. None of us are exactly alike. None of us are complete in and of ourselves. But when we are knit together across generations and cultures, when we are held together with strong ties of love and bonds of peace, we become one, a beautiful bouquet of women that together reflects God's image to the world. And God takes delight in working through the community of women to impact the world around us. Okay. And yet, somehow, in the growing up process, each of us flowers is wounded. We can be attacked by bugs, or struck by a blight, or overshadowed by other plants. Each of us girls goes through a time, or multiple times, that we question God's design and plan for our lives. Similar to my longing to know Rodney, Maybe some of you just don't know God as your daddy and you wonder, what am I supposed to look like? Maybe like me, you've had a tragic loss in your life. Maybe like some of my girlfriends, you have suffered some form of physical or emotional abuse or maybe simply a lack of affection and affirmation that has scarred your heart and your belief that you can still reflect God's image. During playdates with our kids, many women have told me how they have questioned God's goodness of his design for them, and they've devalued themselves, not liking the way they look, not content with their life situation, um, so aware of their weakness, not sure. Can God really still use me? Over coffee, during threefold, even out here in the church foyer, I've um, heard countless stories of women who have been wounded by other women through competition, comparison, and judgment. Haven't we all received unsolicited advice that's left us feeling misunderstood or boxed in or wounded? Haven't we all been guilty of giving that same kind of advice at some point in time? Probably not with the intention of hurting our sisters. Sometimes I think we just get so wrapped up in ourselves and our passion for the things that have worked for us or ways that we've seen God move, that we forget not all flowers are meant to look alike. We forget to look 
for God's image uniquely displayed in our sisters. We forget to offer ideas and principles with open hands that allows the Holy Spirit to then help each woman know how to apply that in her special situation. We forget that we need each other's differences to see the full expression of our daddy. Sorry. My heart breaks when I see or hear of these hurts. So many women are hurting to differing degrees in regard to their design and purpose. I think my heart breaks because God wants us to know that his heart is breaking for us too. He sees every hurt and he feels every pain. And with the loving hands of a gardener, he wants to come and pull out those weeds of woundedness and bitterness and unforgiveness that stunt our growth and that hinder the full expression of his image. He longs to bring beauty from ashes, that deep, transforming beauty that only God can bring from our pain when we've been stripped of ourselves, broken by life, and then he resurrects us. I myself have a few relationships with women that need some pretty significant healing. For a number of years, my close girlfriends have been walking with me on the path to bring healing to that, to those relationships. And I have desperately needed my girlfriend's empathy, their different perspective on my situations, their encouragement and prayers, their accountability, and their loving correction. I am still in process, but I am making progress. And thankfully, God never gives up on us, no matter how long the healing takes. So may we never give up on each other. As we open the door to our hurting hearts this morning, may God begin bringing healing in our individual lives and in our community of women here at Lake Sam. I know there are a lot of women in this body who want to see other women blossom and who are working towards authentic community. I believe God is birthing other messages in, in women in this body and that he's stirring things in the Women's Steering Committee that are going to continue to take us to deeper places of healing if we'll go along with him. It's really important that we're healed and whole and functioning together as a healthy body of women because God has essential, powerful work to, for us to do, work that needs the aspects of his image uniquely reflected through women. Kurt began this year with a sermon series called Is Your Life Interesting? And inspiring us to go deeper in our relationship with God and to um, step out more boldly to be used in new ways. And many of the testimonies during that series were from men who have impacted our community in some pretty big and noticeable ways. Their testimonies are important and God works powerfully in those ways. Yet there were parts of those testimonies that didn't fit for me as a woman this is in no way to criticize or downplay that series, and I know Kurt supports where I'm going with this, but the closest I might come to some of those kind of testimonies are the two weekends a year that John and I teach at Engaged Encounter, planting seeds of God's principles in the lives of couples preparing for marriage. But we rarely have ongoing relationships with those couples, and we usually never get to see the fruit of those seeds. Most of my time 
is spent investing in smaller areas. In my kids and their friends, the families we're getting to know through their school, the women in my threefold. During that series, I had to remind myself that those places, those things are equally as valid as an, and important as the testimonies we were hearing from men. So I just want to give voice to the other side of that coin. Womanhood is often about the behind-the-scenes investing in seemingly small places, about endurance over the long haul before we get to see the fruit of our service and ministry. It's frequently full of the mundane, those videos that we saw this morning, and we seldom receive thank yous or kudos until long after we have poured ourselves out investing in others. It's an easy place to lose heart, but it's an essential, extremely valuable piece of God's overall work and can have a powerful impact on individuals, societies, and the eternal. I don't particularly love cooking three meals a day, cleaning toilets, folding mountains of laundry, grocery shopping with a four or five-year-old in tow. It is a lot like the goat. But I don't do these things because I find personal fulfillment in them or because I love them. I do them for the love of others because it's a privilege to bring my kids alongside me in those tasks and to introduce them to the joy of doing something for the love of others. Growing souls is not about being efficient because to bring them alongside usually takes twice as long but it's not about being efficient. I would really prefer efficient, but um, whether or not you have kids of your own, chances are you're probably mentoring someone in some way, and we have to remember it's not about that efficiency. Um, I'm finally figuring out that God works way more through my authenticity than through my perfection and my efficiency, and yet I still need a lot of encouragement to stay the course. Tamara Lee introduced me to a blog called A Holy Experience. It's written by a farmer's wife, homeschooling mother of six kids. This woman's life is packed with the mundane. And yet what I appreciate about her blog is her heart to look for God in the midst of the mundane and to take a seemingly small moment and turn it into a holy moment with eternal value. If you need inspiration in this area, check out aholyexperience.com. You'll never look at dishes and laundry quite in the same way. Be encouraged and filled with hope. God intends to use the little things that we do as women in powerful ways. You may not see the impact or the results for years, maybe even until eternity. But what you're doing is valuable. Look for God even in the smallest moments of your day. Opal Rogers' memorial service was filled with stories of how she lived those small moments of her life with a joy, vivaciousness, and faithfulness that powerfully impacted her husband, her kids and their friends, her extended family, and her community. Zach's mom shared that during Kurt's Is Your Life Interesting series, Opal was one of the few who boldly raised her hand to say that she was living a life beyond her expectations. 
I knew there was a reason I wanted to get to know her more. I'm grateful that I got a taste at her memorial service. I'm even more grateful that I get to hang out with her for eternity. My heart's desire is to see every woman of every age walking confidently in her unique design and boldly influencing her community to bring God's image reflected in womanhood. Hear these words of hope and restoration from Isaiah. The time is coming when Jacob's descendants will take root. Israel will bud and blossom and fill the whole earth with fruit. Even the wilderness and desert will be glad in those days. The wasteland will rejoice and blossom with spring crocuses. Yes, there will be an abundance of flowers and singing and joy. The deserts will become as green as the mountains of Lebanon, as lovely as Mount Carmel or the plain of Sharon. There the Lord will display his glory, the splendor of our God. With this news, strengthen those who have tired hands and encourage those who have weak knees. Say to those with fearful hearts, be strong and do not fear, for your God is coming to destroy your enemies. He is coming to save you. And when he comes, he will open the eyes of the blind and unplug the ears of the deaf. The lame will leap like deer, and those who cannot speak will sing for joy. Springs will gush forth in the wilderness, and streams will water the wasteland. The Lord will comfort Israel again and have pity on her ruins. Her desert will blossom like Eden, her barren wilderness like the garden of the Lord. Joy and gladness will be found there. Songs of thanksgiving will fill the air. Would the worship team come up, as well as the team of women that I've asked to help me close? And as you women come up, the flowers here, and then there's a basket with uh, some scrolls if you want to grab one of those little bags. As the band is playing, <clears throat> and these women begin distributing flowers and some blessings, sisters, I want to just ask this morning, where are you? Do you know God's unique design and purpose for you as a woman? Do you need healing in some area that God's image in you has been wounded or stifled? Do you need to be reconciled with another woman who has wounded you or maybe a woman that you have wounded? Today is a good day for healing and reconciliation. Go ahead, ladies, and move out. And Crawl into your daddy's lap this morning and let him speak to you. Let him breathe new life into you as a woman. Are you walking confidently in your design to influence your unique community? Let God bring you hope and a fresh vision today for the ways that he wants to use you. Let the Holy Spirit empower you to minister boldly in the places he's called you to serve. Are you looking for God's image in your sisters? Let us encourage, support, and free each other to be the unique flowers that God designed each of us to be so that together we can be this beautiful bouquet bringing God's fragrance his life, and his love to the hurting world around us. 
as the band is leading worship, the altar is open. There's prayer available in the back under the cross. And any of the women who are distributing flowers would be honored to pray with you this morning. Receive this flower as a gift from your daddy to remind you of his good purpose for you, his good design, and the loving purposes that he has for your life.